Welcome to the Ashes to Beauty, the Divorce Life podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Marie Laswell, divorce coach specializing in finance and real estate at Stephanie Marie Living. In this podcast, we will take a look at what it looks like to live through divorce, the good, the bad, and the ugly, a peek into individual stories as their ashes from divorce over time are transformed into beauty. Hello and welcome to the Ashes to Beauty, the Divorce Life podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Laswell, and we are here today with my special friend, Blythe. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. I, I'm so excited to catch up with you. It's been so long. I know. And you get to tell our listeners about how your life has turned so beautiful now. Oh, it's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. And that's, thanks for having me on. I love getting yeah. to share my story. Yeah. Awesome. So, Let's just jump right in. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Let's start with the ashes. So you have gone through a divorce. Yes. And how long ago was that divorce that final? That was 11 and a half years ago. Okay. No. Yeah. Um, so it feels like another lifetime ago. My kids are completely <laughs> different humans than they were at that point. Yeah. Um, and at that time, we had moved to Oklahoma. Um, we'd been here for a little over a year, maybe a year and a half. Um, and we moved here so that we could be near my ex-husband's family. Oh. And I was a stay-at-home mom, mm -hmm. happily raising a, at that point, a one-year-old and a five-year-old. Mm -hmm. And um, he left because he wanted to marry one of our neighbors. Wow. And I kind of, I went through this moment of, oh, my gosh. I don't know what, like, this wasn't the plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was not where I thought we were going to go. Yeah. So um, it kind of came out of left field. Ended up being a huge blessing even through all of it, um, but definitely really, really painful and yeah. not expected. I learned a lot. <laughs> as, yes, as you do. Yes. <laughs> You're kind of forced to, right? Yes. That's, you. I heard you can either use your past as a, um, what is it, as a sofa or as a springboard, and you mm. can let it launch you mm -hmm. forward. And I decided very quickly that I was not willing to give up my time with my kids, raising them the way that I wanted them to be raised. I wasn't willing to compromise on basically on my motherhood. Mm. Um, that was the thing that was most important to me, which, you know, in hindsight, maybe my motherhood shouldn't have been the only thing that was important <laughs> to me. Maybe that was a contributing factor <laughs> to the marriage <laughs> ending. But um, so I kind of jumped into this like fiercely protective mode right away. Mm -hmm. And went, I'm fine. Like, I've mm -hmm. got this. Mm -hmm. And I have so got this. And I'm going to be the best single mom in the universe. And my kids will not miss a thing or suffer a day because of this. Um, and that's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Um, and not, not possible. Um, yeah. So I didn't really allow myself to grieve for the first probably year and a half, two years or so. It was just pulled up those boots by the strap and just hit the ground running. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, um, I was very, very focused on the kids, which I think when you've got young kids and you go through a divorce, I think that's natural to some mm -hmm. extent. Mm -hmm. um, I know everybody handles divorce a little bit differently, but for me, I was just, I was like fierce determination. I was like, I will not fail yeah. at this. Yeah. Um, so I bought a business. And I would do things like get up at two in the morning when I couldn't sleep and like scrub the baseboards in the closets and all sorts of really wonderfully healthy <laughs> things. Sometimes I wish I still had a little bit of that rage left yeah. because I was a lot more effective. <laughs> like, 
it was like a superpower I could tap into and yeah. and I had all this energy and it was it was rage and hurt and really looking back now my pride was hurt mm-hmm. um because I didn't know that we had I mean I knew we had some problems in the marriage because I don't think you can get to the point where somebody leaves and you're like what <laughs> I had no idea yeah but I didn't think we were at that point because we had been through counseling this was the the third person he had been talking to or or seeing kind of outside of the marriage and um and so at this point I was ready for just moving forward and okay we're gonna work on this again and um it was actually a relief when he said I don't want to work on it anymore Mm -hmm. yeah um even though it really hurt right um well, it was the door that you needed someone yes. to close. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We needed somebody to, I I probably would not have made the decision on my own. Mm-hmm. I would have continued to try and fight because in my mind, that's what you do. Right. You fight for your marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's what you, you know, in quotes, should do mm-hmm. is, is fight for it. And right. it doesn't necessarily, that's not always possible. Mm-hmm. And it's not always the best situation. Right. Um. And I think that's one of the things that can be really hurting and confusing about divorce mm-hmm. is a lot of people just assume that you're giving up mm-hmm. or that it's the easy way out. Right. And in my experience and from the people I've met, there's no easy divorce. No. It's not. Even if you are on the best of terms with your ex, even if you both really want this and you feel like you've just grown apart, I think there are still hurt feelings mm-hmm. on either side. And so that's a lot to navigate through. Yeah. There's still a recovery. There's still the uncoupling. Yes. <laughs> if there's children involved, there's, okay, now we've got to move to this new stage of co-parenting. Um, so there's a lot of adjustments. And if you don't take the time to stop and mourn, then you can certainly cause even more problems for yourself. <laughs> right. Then it pops up like two or three years later. And you're like, what is my problem? Yeah. This is... Yeah, I'm supposed to be fine. Yeah. And it actually like it made me physically ill mm-hmm. to the point where I had six kidney stones. Wow. I was, you know, my work life was really stressful. Mm-hmm. Owning a business is stressful on its own. Mm-hmm. But owning a business and being a single mom and I I just felt this pressure to have to do everything and do everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it turns out I'm human, <laughs> which Shocker. was really frustrating. Wait, what? <laughs> um, so. It was it was hard to go through that later. And it was it was hard to explain even, you know, to like my therapist and to my mom and my best friend that it's not so much that I missed the husband. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's what I call him. The, the husband <laughs> um, it wasn't so much that I missed him or that it was anything to do with feelings I still had for him or anything. It was more I needed time to mourn and grieve the life that I thought I was going to have. And I thought I could just gloss right over that mm-hmm. by making it look from the outside like the mm-hmm. life I thought I was going to have. Right. Yeah. And turns out that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and it it was really shocking to me and upsetting to me to realize that you can't escape right this pain. Right. You're gonna have to go through it at some point. Yeah, I think that's a big thing that I probably can relate to as well is not having that guidance to. Obviously, it's clear like. You're letting go of the person, but also to like, okay, I can't have this life right now. Right. Maybe it comes later, 
But at this point in time, as I'm uncoupling, as I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to be a single mom and a co-parent and all of the things, I can't keep trying to force myself to make it look this way or feel this way or have these things because it just simply, I... Because life is different. Yeah. And no matter how much I, you know, dress us in our matching t-shirts and attend every (laughs) single thing and I'm the room mom and I'm, you know, I bake the perfect cookies and Mm -hmm. my kids' birthday parties are always insane and Mm -hmm. things like that, it doesn't, it doesn't make up for the fact that I'm... I'm not a stay-at-home mom, which Mm -hmm. is what I thought I was wanting to do. And I'm not, I mean, we moved here so that we could be near family. And my family is all 16 hours away. Mm -hmm. And kind of overnight, I went from being part of a family here to not having that. Mm -hmm. And being, you know, five hours away from all of my college best friends, Mm -hmm. not really having roots here and knowing anybody yet. And being really far away from my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty lonely. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Like isolation because of distance, not so much because you wanted it, but it does play a big part in how you get support from people that are closest to you. How did you kind of figure out where to get your support system or did you even have one while you're um, going through it? I had, I was very, very fortunate that my family and I are super close and even over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, it still was a good support system for Mm me. Um, My kids and I would sneak up to Kansas, which is where we moved here from. So all of my best friends from college were up in Kansas. So we would sneak up there for weekends or they would come down and visit. One of my best friends was in Tulsa. And so she came to town every Friday. And it was really good to just have that consistency of knowing that every Friday I get to see Shelly. And I know if I can just hang on till then, it's going to be fine. Um, I had fantastic neighbors who kind of stepped into the role of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them, you know, would pick Nathan up every day. My 13 year old, my now 13 year old would pick him up every day after school once he was in pre-K and, um, watch him for the afternoon so I could oh, work. That's awesome. And she did all of the mom things that I wanted him to experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I also had to accept the fact that it's okay for him to get those experiences with someone else because mm-hmm. I really wanted to be the one who's taking him to the history museum mm-hmm. and reading him the stories and scratching his back for a nap time and all of that. But at some point I had to look at it and go, it's more important to me that he is cared for at that level mm-hmm. than it is that I'm the one to do it. Right. And I, it was probably good for me as a parent to have to let go of some of the control mm-hmm. that I had previously clung to because I definitely had very strong ideas on how I wanted my kids raised. Mm-hmm. And I want them, I wanted, everybody wants to be the best mom they can right. to their kids. Yeah. Nobody is like, eh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I've got more than one. They're resilient. <laughs> right? um, so there was some of having to kind of come to terms with that too. Um, and really, I learned, I I grew a lot in my confidence, um, and I learned to ask for help, which was huge because I would never have done that before in a million years. Humbling (laughs) experience. Very humbling. And that's the day that I had six kidney stones when it hit me that, and my then boyfriend at the time who I was planning to marry, we had just broken up while I had six kidney stones, Mm. and all of a sudden I was feeling just devastated, and, and I realized it's not really because of him. And the relationship that just ended, it was more because I was 
upset at the life that I thought I was getting when we when I was married. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, we can kind of patch this together with him <laughs> yeah. and it'll be close. <laughs> Which, I mean, who wants a life that's like, well, it's close enough <laughs> yeah. to what I wanted. It's fine. That's not the life that I deserve. That's not the life my kids deserve. Right. Um, but I literally had to ask for help because I could not drive myself to the hospital at that point. Um, I could not watch my children um, and go have surgery. <laughs> like that's not that's not a thing. They don't let you bring your kids in if they're putting you <laughs> no, under. You don't have a daycare here, <laughs> right? Um, so it was very humbling to ask for help, and I had a lot of friends who were really beautiful in my life at that time who were really a gift in that they would step in and they knew me well enough to go. I'm bringing dinner. Do you want this or this? Or I'm coming over and I'm going to bring a movie for the kids and we're going to sit and, you know, I'll do the dishes while you just sit there and recover. Mm -hmm. And that way you have help. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was phenomenal. And if you have a friend who's going through anything, Mm -hmm. don't expect them to reach out would be the advice I would give. Because I think it's really easy to go, well, I'm here if you need me. Mm Because that's the token offer that we all make, right? Mm -hmm. I make it Mm -hmm. still. I'm sorry, guys. Um, (laughs) But being the friend who's willing to show up and go, I'm here and we're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. And even if it's just something as simple as I left a gallon of milk on your porch because I know you said you forgot to stop and get some Mm -hmm. or anything like that really helped kind of carry me through that time. Those little gestures can go a long way. Right. Especially when you're not thinking clearly. Right. There's brain fog, there's overwhelm, there's exhaustion. Right. And for somebody just to be able to look in and recognize this is something that I see missing. This is a little thing that I can do to help. It can be like, it can be a huge boost. Right. And help you realize that you are loved and you're seen. Mm-hmm. And that there are people there that care when they do those little things. And I would totally agree with you. Like, don't wait <laughs> right, for them to come to you. Um, just step up to the plate. Right. Yeah. Because most of the time, and but we're willing to give them their space too. That's yeah. the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say bully your way in and be like, I am here and we're getting through this. And you're like, awesome. I was going to take a bath and go to bed. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't need company right now. Mm-hmm. But um, I think being willing to just step into that and... And being willing to sit in their mess and their mm-hmm. discomfort together, mm-hmm. because I I know a lot of a lot of women, especially, and I'm sure men too, um, feel very isolated and very very much like everyone's going to see how messy I am. Everyone's right. going to see whether it's the physical mess of like, hey, my toddler just spilled pretzels on the floor, and I'm hoping that either they will get stepped on <laughs> enough I can vacuum them up, or the dog will eat them. Right. Like, <laughs> Because I have no intention of getting up and taking care of it right now. Or, you know, the emotional mess of like, "Hmm, today I'm just snotty and can't quit crying. Mm -hmm. Right. So, sorry, I can't pull it together. And I think there's something really empowering and and beautiful about being able to just live and accept yourself in that mess. Mm -hmm. And also being able to step into somebody else's mess and go, "Um, I can't make it stop hurting. Mm -hmm. But I can make sure that your kids have clean underwear. (laughs) So (laughs) that's how I can help out right now. Right. Um, Because everybody, it's not just people who've gone through the divorce. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a time in their life Mm 
that's challenging. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't had it yet, it's coming. And I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. But I think humanity is messy. Being just being a human in general and existing is messy. Right. And so being willing to be honest about that, Mm -hmm. it's also freeing because then you have people who feel comfortable letting their guard down with you and going, you know what? I'm a mess too. And, and I also don't have it together. (laughs) And I think there are more of us out there like that, Mm -hmm. um, especially in the post-divorce community. Right. And that's, that's kind of a big thing that God has laid on my heart is to share that aspect of it with people because you are a mess after this. Mm -hmm. It's just, and that's one of the stages. There are certain stages that I think you go through. Right. As you heal through divorce. And I think just taking ownership of it really kind of removes some of the scary from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. So what would advice would you give for somebody that is considering going through a divorce? Um, I always start this question because I once I went through my divorce, I sort of became like the poster child for my <laughs> friends who are unhappy in their marriages. And I had a lot of friends reaching out and they're like, your life looks so great right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking about getting a divorce. And I was my first advice is always don't jump into it. Make sure that you feel comfortable that you've done everything you can to save the marriage. Because at the end of the day, you have to live with your decision. And if you're going to look back five years from now and go, well, it was really stupid that I did that because I still love him. And I was just upset that, you know. He bought a new car without asking me or, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, not that that's not a good reason. It's fine, whatever your reasons are. But make sure that you are comfortable with yourself in that decision and that you can look at it and go, I have done everything I could to improve myself mm-hmm. and to improve my marriage to the point where we really gave it a shot mm-hmm. and it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my biggest, biggest takeaway, I guess. Yeah. And know that it's really just trading one set of hard for another. It's not the easy way out. Um, I tend to be a fairly joyful person (laughs) regardless of my circumstances. Mm -hmm. So even if I'm smiling at you and I'm generally happy and and bubbly on the surface, because that's sincerely who I am, Mm -hmm. it's not because, oh, I'm so happy that I get to be a single mom and (laughs) figure this out and not be, you know, there have been times when I'm like, oh, well, I'm having a great day, except... You know, the electricity is going to be cut off tomorrow if I don't do that. And we still need groceries. So, oh, well, (laughs) you know, so be realistic about it. Know that just because it looks good, like I would be happy if I were still married. Well, and I am I'm now remarried and I'm happy there. But don't look at somebody else's circumstance and go, they seem really good where they are. Mm -hmm. And just assume that. Well, getting the divorce is like taking that magic pill and everything's great. Right. Because that's not reality. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things to relearn. Right. Or learn for the first time. Right. And and to you grow in so many ways you're not expecting mm-hmm. and learn so much stuff about yourself. I think that sometimes it's really painful, painful and not yeah. flattering. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> that you have to be willing and ready to grow. And I do think my divorce has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, 10 years ago, if you told me that I wouldn't have been able to use words that were very nice about that. (laughs) Yes. I'd have been like, well, great. Screw you. That's we're done. (laughs) Um, yeah, it does. It takes a lot of inner work, whether, whether you're in a marriage or not. Right. Like 
this life journey is just about inner work and accepting that you are perfectly imperfect. Mm-hmm. And yet there is still always room for us to in- improve and grow and how much our childhood affects what we bring into the marriage and mm-hmm. how we can go years with not even being aware of that. So it's just this big, long healing and growth journey, healing and growth. Like we just, that is the cycle, right? Right. That's the one cycle we can right. know is going to be consistent <laughs> in well, this world. <laughs> and you do, you come into a marriage with both of you having your own baggage. Mm-hmm. And, and it does, it takes a lot of work on yourself mm-hmm. and a lot of grace for your partner. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of willingness to look at what you are bringing in mm-hmm. and what your ideals of marriage are. Yeah. Um, whether it's because your parents had an amazing marriage or were horrible and couldn't be in the same room. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people come at it from both sides yeah. and it can be really freeing to go through that baggage and it can bring you closer to a person but you have to be willing to do the work. And if one of yeah. you is willing to go through the garbage mm-hmm. and the other one is not, yeah. sometimes it does mean that divorce is inevitable. Right. Because I think if you don't grow together, mm-hmm. then you do grow apart. Absolutely. That's what I totally believe, that you have to be consistently individually growing and then growing as a couple. Because when either one of those stops, it it, it stops everything. Right. But the whole thing stops and can crumble especially if you don't address it quickly Mm -hmm. because then it just takes so much more time and energy and effort to rebound from it or you might not even rebound from it right yeah definitely so what about somebody that has just gone through a divorce like what does that look like so that the papers are finalized um the stamp has been stamped by the (laughs) judge the ink is drying yeah and this whole new world is starting to open up. What advice do you give for somebody that's just finalized their divorce? Um, it's a little bit surreal. Mm-hmm. And just be okay with that. That there's no right or wrong reaction to this. Some people feel relief at it, I think. Some people feel overwhelmingly sad and start grieving right away. Some people have already grieved and, you know, it's taken them six years to draw out the paperwork and they're just like, oh, my gosh, thank you, Lord, that I'm done. (laughs) Like, that was a whole headache. Um, And I think don't have any expectation on yourself. Be really nice to yourself. This is a season where you should be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know who you are and what you like, take this time now to figure it out. Um, and really dive into that and spend some time with yourself, which can be really uncomfortable at first. Um, the other thing for me, the hardest part of getting a divorce was getting out of the parking lot because we walked, my attorney and I walked right in. My ex didn't show up. You know, the attorney had arranged it with the judge so that we got to go into the chambers beforehand. So it was like not even an issue Mm -hmm. for us. Um, And then we walked up to the, you know, whatever, the fourth floor or whatever it is where they stamped our thing. And they were like, okay, you're divorced. And I was like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) 
it should have that should have been harder to me yeah. like this this whole that that's that was all it took mm-hmm. was just the months and months and months of uh, fighting Don't, and battling and right. you know I want this I want this we needed to say this this document you know you have to sign this document you have to agree to this and then all of a sudden it's over you're like really yeah. <laughs> that was it and really getting out of the parking garage was the hardest part to me because I could I kept getting turned around I'm like how do you I guess I live here now this is it I'm never leaving <laughs> right <laughs> um so I think being willing to show yourself grace and and give yourself the time that you need. I wouldn't recommend, you know, having a meeting at 11 o'clock that morning if your divorce hearing was at nine. <laughs> That's, I think, taking that day or maybe even a week. Um, you know, if you, and I think it's different if you have kids versus if you don't. Um, for me, I made sure that my sister, or that I had somebody who was on for my kids. I, my sister wasn't there at that time, but I made sure that I had somebody on for the kids so that they were somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. And I went back home and I just kind of sat on my couch like, what do I do now? <laughs> that was okay. Well, that ended, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it was very surreal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think there's any way to know how you're going to feel. It's sort of like right. when you have kids; you have no idea what it's like to be a parent until you've done it. Mm-hmm. You have no idea how hard marriage is until you've done it. You have no idea how hard divorce is until you've done it. Um, and it's different for everyone, right? So just give yourself space. Yeah, would be my biggest and. Know that where you are right now and all the emotions you're feeling right now are not going to be where you stay forever. Right. That there will be, for, for better or for worse, <laughs> you're in this alone now. And, mm-hmm. and there are going to be good things that you find about that and hard things that you find about mm-hmm. that. What about dating post-divorce? Um, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I I think dating should be entered into carefully or you will tend to repeat the same mistakes that you made in your first relationship I think a lot of people feel like I'm nothing if I don't have somebody mm-hmm. they feel like they their identity is in that relationship right. um, and I made that mistake too so I'm not saying that from a place of judgment I'm saying it from a place of I've been there and I know how much that hurts mm-hmm. um, because then when that ends because I chose somebody, you know, my next serious relationship with somebody who was very much like my ex, um, but didn't have some of the same good qualities that my ex had in terms of the way he would treat the kids and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, he was just not a very nice person a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Um, and I didn't see it because I thought, well, finally, you know, he's he's Catholic, which is what I am. And so obviously that's, you know, Catholic and age appropriate are the two things I was looking for. Um, and I would also say to people whose friends have just gone through a divorce, don't try and fix them up right away unless it's somebody that you really know, like this person is special and would be a good fit. I had, I went through the, it's not, that's not my boyfriend series of dating. There's children's books called, that's not my truck. You know, that's too shiny. That's not my truck. That's too, you know, its wheels are too big. And that's sort of how I felt when we, when I started dating, because all of my friends, even before my divorce was final, I had friends who were like, oh, I need you to meet this man. He's also single. I'm like, what else can you tell me about him? Well, he's... <laughs> He's around your age. I'm like, okay. I'm looking like my standards are a little higher than also single and age appropriate. Right. Like, I, does he have, does he have a personality? Does yeah. he have a job? When you know, interested in the same things, anything like that. 
And there were a lot of people who, like, my singleness was uncomfortable to them more than it was to mm, me. Yeah. And I think if you continue to try to fix somebody up, mm. like, oh, no, you need you need this person. It kind of reinforces the message that you're not, not worthy right. if you're not in a relationship. Right. And I think that's, quite honestly, a load of crap. So, right. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Well, it is interesting how that shift happens. Like mm-hmm. how the shift of people treating you changes after you go from married to single. Mm-hmm. And it's always baffled me. Um, I mean, half of us are walking around right. <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> and it's almost like we still don't even know what to do with it. And um, so what do you think about that? Like, how can we bring dignity to the divorcee? Um, realize that they are still the same person that they were. You know, they're going through some growth. So they're not going to be the same person that they were forever that you met back way back when mm-hmm. necessarily. But give them room for for growth and don't exclude them just because, well, this is a couple's thing. Right. Okay. Well, I'm I tend to be family oriented. Mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable in my mom's group from church with their husbands than I am at a bar, you know, with singles night. That's my comfort zone. I would rather watch your kids play on the water slide. And, you know, go to a family barbecue. Mm-hmm. Don't exclude me just because now I'm single and that's taboo. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, my kids still deserve to grow up around other kids their age. And and honestly, I feel like this was an area where the church failed me mm-hmm. quite a bit mm-hmm. because there was not support for divorcees. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was not a group that that was ready and willing to welcome you. I, you know, I was very lucky to have good friends who did still include me to Mm -hmm. a point. Um, But, you know, if their husbands were the ones who were planning all the activities, which tended to be the way it went in my circle of friends, Mm -hmm. all the husbands would be hanging out, you know, on their golf carts on them in the morning and then be planning what we're doing for the rest of the day. Well, they don't think about me Mm -hmm. because I'm not there and I don't have a male counterpart who's there. Um, and so just be intentional about inviting them and still including them. Mm-hmm. Realize that it may be even more important to be intentional about inviting them because your marriage may be the only healthy marriage that their kids get to see right. at this point. Yeah. Um, and so that can be a public service that you can offer mm-hmm. even. Um, you know, don't just drop them just because something changes in their life. Right. And I know it can be awkward if you were friends with both of them. Um, but I think even just having the conversation and going, Hey, my relationship with you is still important to me. I want to honor your level of comfort. You know, if your ex is going to be here, do you want me to still invite you or not? Like, where are we on that? Because I think that changes too. My ex-husband and I now, you know, can go to dinner with our kids and it's not weird. Mm -hmm. Um, for the first seven or eight years after the divorce, it would have been really weird. Like, Now we can sit together at their sporting events and things, and it's okay. Um, right afterwards, it, it no, it, I, I might have ended up in jail. Um, <laughs> so I think being intentional about still including both sets of them. I had one friend who made it clear that um, she was choosing my ex's side because he was friends with her husband. And I was like, but he, we met your husband through you and I, because I've known you since our freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. And that's just the choice she made. And it, it took me a while to get over that. That felt 
more pain, like almost more betraying mm-hmm. than my husband having an affair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I felt like, but you, like you knew me mm-hmm. and you still chose right. him. But what I realized is the people who don't stick around, they're not your people. Right. Yeah. And I, when I look at their lives now, it's not, I wouldn't want to be doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing I would tell newly divorced people. The people who fade out of your life, it's okay. Mm-hmm. They were there for the season mm-hmm. that you needed them. And it's uh, there will be new people who come in mm-hmm. and kind of fill that that role in your new season. And that's kind of like, that's something else you have to mourn that you don't think about. Is all There's so many layers to this mourning of, well, I'm mourning this marriage ending. I'm mourning what I thought life was going to look like. I'm mourning a second family that I had become part of. I'm mourning friendships. Like, mm-hmm. so it's just, it just continues to layer and layer. Right. One on top of each other, which is something that I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> and it's a shock, I think. Yeah. Because you just, and I think there gets to be a point at the end of a marriage where you're like, I just want this to be done. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, it will be so much better. And then you get out and you're like, it's not so much better. Uh, yeah. Why does this hurt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's what I signed up Why for. Why do hurts come back years later? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that we talk about that with people, the more we can kind of change that. Mm-hmm. And and people who are going through divorce now will have resources. Will right. know I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, the the next stage of this is my friends are all going to set me up with awkward and weird people like that's just <laughs> that's what I can expect one of the things that happens um and just normalizing it yeah because it really I mean, people have been getting divorced for gosh I don't even know yeah. how long you know long I know in the 40s it was taboo right but since then it's you know it's become more and more prevalent mm-hmm. and I think it's easy to look at a marriage from the outside and go, well, they just didn't work hard at it or mm-hmm. whatever. And I think once you have been through it or, or had a good friend go through it, hopefully people will be a little bit more able to understand that it's something that is hard and heartbreaking and changes you forever and changes your kids forever. And, um, and it's not, in, not always in bad ways, right? but you have to take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. And really, it depends on where you put your focus. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of the one of the first nights I ever went out with a group of women who were divorced. Um, they sat around and all they wanted to do was check out all the guys, drink like so many drinks, mm-hmm. so many drinks, <laughs> um, and then bash their exes. And I went, that's not, I'm intentionally choosing not to handle this that mm-hmm. way because I know that's just going to hold me in a place where I'm really bitter. And I don't want to be bitter about this. I want to get through it. I don't want to cling to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think educating people on that and knowing that it's okay if that's how you do handle it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a space for that. But figure out what's best for you and what's going to keep you moving forward in a positive direction. Not staying stuck. Right. Because if you cling to that bitterness, Mm -hmm. it'll take over every aspect of your life. Right. And who wants to live like that? Yeah. I don't. It takes a lot of energy. Yes. And I, I don't want that. Right. And I don't want that example set for my kids. Mm-hmm. I want them to see that you can come through hard things and you can grow. I want them to see resiliency. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and just the bare facts of it is, especially if you were married to, you know, if the person that you divorced was their dad, they're half his DNA. Mm -hmm. So if you spend the whole time talking about what a loser he is, um, you're sending that message to your kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not good. You want them to take that on. No. What's one thing that you want to leave with our listeners before we go? Um, if you're going through a divorce, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You will grow. And there are support, you know, support groups out there. There are a lot of resources out there. So don't be afraid to reach out and don't be afraid to accept help when you have friends who do show up. For sure. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you for I having me. This was great. Yes. Thank you listeners for tuning in and we will check in with you next time on Ashes to Beauty, The Divorce Life. Bye. For more information about services provided by myself, you can find me at Stephanie Marine Living on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for tuning in today and to our producer Jazz at Possibilities Podcast Center.